Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. Welcome into another episode of the Rising Champions podcast. I am, of course, Kyle Bogie. We also have Dr. Jason Nevetsky of the Champion Mindset Group with us. And uh, Doc, first, I, I got to start with, uh, you know, I, I just got back from Florida uh, a couple of days ago and I was playing golf, um, you know, a little bit last week. And a little bit? I, uh, I had a couple of bad experiences. Okay? <laughs> and I, I know you want to pat me down a little bit and probably uh, – you know, get on me, but I, I was two under through seven to start a round, uh, I believe my second round down there, and I ended up shooting an 81, and I was two under on the back nine heading to 18, and I ended up doubling 18 to shoot a 76, which actually was very good, but mm-hmm. fell apart in those key moments when I really could have put together an unbelievable round, but I, I got in my head. I really did. And so I'm guessing you were counting up the strokes. Not at all. No. Why, no, why would you think all. that? No. No, not at all. And that's what nobody does, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, so what you did is classic. You left the present moment and you started and you got on your uh, time machine and traveled to the future and imagined what it was going to be like when you shot 72 or 73 and how great it would be and telling everybody what it was like and adding up the numbers on the scorecard. And next thing you know, double bogey, bogey, and you try to recover and save a, save a round, which you did. You salvaged a pretty good round there. It was still good, but it could have been better. I, I think mostly I was thinking about that uh, yingling on draft at the uh, <laughs> Naples Lakes Country Club. But uh, either way, uh, a nice week and uh, obviously uh, felt a little bit normal uh, for a second there. Hopefully we can all you know, kind of get back to that moving mm-hmm. forward. But uh, don't want to spend uh, too much time, you know, talking about uh, my golf game, my terrible golf game. But I uh, <laughs> want to bring in uh, a, a great guest uh, this evening, and, you know, someone who uh, has kind of done it all in, in the game of baseball, the world of baseball, if you will. Uh, and that is uh, Mr. Derek Ross, a player, scout, Asian scout, you know, kind of has, has really been all over the map. Uh, Derek, we appreciate you joining us here on the uh, Champions the, excuse me, the Rising Champions podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Absolutely. So I, I want to at least fire away on, on something that I find really fascinating. And, you know, I, I wasn't a, a, a scout by any means, but I covered high school sports, college athletics, uh, and professional sports for many years. And I always found that, you know, when covering high school athletes specifically, I kind of, you know, went along the rule of three which was I need to see this individual play in three different environments, three different games before I was going to fairly, you know, write some, you know, ridiculous evaluation or, you know, whatever it was. How difficult is that process? And is it, is it a streamlined thing? Is it kind of customized to you individually as far as figuring out what you're looking for in an individual and what is a fair assessment and figuring out who they are as a player and as a person? Well, I think, I think the first thing that always attracts us scouts to players is their tools, you know, their physicality, can, how hard, hard they throw, how fast they run, all those different things that you see. But really, at the end of it, those guys separate each, each other. And it's really – it's always been about year five. It was like 
the mental game really clicked. I was like, wait a second, I'm going back to like five years before. And I'm like, hey, I had this guy and that guy at the top of my list. And then all of a sudden it was like, they're, they're out doing something else. And this guy that was grinding is, is still playing and he's in the big leagues. It was, it was crazy. It was like a revelation that, that I really got, it really tapped into from a lot of mentors that I had. That, that was really the main thing was like um, listening to these veteran scouts whose Rolodex was huge and just tapping in their brain and then going on your own personal experiences when you first start. But as you go now with geez, 15 and a half years doing it and 20 total as, as you know, if you include the, the agency. So, you know, I, I remember Rocco Baldelli. I remember, um, you know, some of those guys back in the day and, and, and how they separated themselves. So yeah, it's, it's a combination of both those things, but the tools is what always attracts you to the player. And then if you can really dig in and ask the right questions and really take the time to get to know the player, it'll help. It'll help. It's not a guarantee, but it'll help. So Derek, again, thank you for coming on. This is a long time coming. You and I have known each other for several years and shared some clients together when you were an agent as well. And I just kind of want to set the stage for everybody that, you know, Derek played college baseball at the division one level. Uh, he was a leader, a true leader. He was elected captain to one of his teams. Um, he got into scouting for the Detroit Tigers, uh, and then moved on eventually, I think, to the Cleveland Indians. Uh, and then at some point decided he wanted to work on the other side of the coin and, and got into becoming a player agent and started developing players and helping them through the process of uh, getting drafted and so on and so forth and, and working their way up the trajectory to, that, to the big leagues. And then with COVID and everything, things changed. And uh, now Derek has uh, been hired as, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Midwest Regional Scout uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, yeah. I guess the technical, technical term is area supervisor. Okay. I have uh, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And so that means that you are, you're kind of called in after the kind of the bird dogs, we call them, check out guys, and you're, you're kind of going around checking on these uh, potential prospects for the draft. Yeah, I kind of I kind of call it the front line. So yeah, we do have like some part time and some uh, associate scouts and bird dogs that you want to accumulate the information. You get a lot of it too from from online and some maybe some of our the higher ups have seen them. And um, you know, it's really it starts in, it starts with the area scout. That's why I was so passionate about it when I did do it uh, before because if you don't get the right information out to the you know, your regional guy, your scouting director and the, and the department, you can miss out on a lot of guys. You really mm. can. Um, it, it's really easy to do that. So I think it, it's, you know, they always say like uh, it's the backbone of the um, organization. It truly is. I mean, if you, if you have a poor uh, front line in your, in your scouting, it can really take you back five, 10 years. Right. And also I should throw in, you also worked at university of Michigan, in the baseball operations too, and it's kind of helped uh, with recruiting in the day-to-day just day-to-day things is there as well. Yeah, yeah, that was an awesome experience seeing that, um, you know, like one of the prospects uh, for the listeners that uh, are familiar with Major League Baseball, local product, uh, Jacob Cronenworth, I got to see him in that fall uh, prior to his freshman year and just, you know, the thing that always stood out with him because he wasn't a guy with like loud tools, like I mentioned, tools draws you to the player. But when you had the opportunity at the college level to see these guys individually day by day and see how they put, you know, their routines and their habits, mm. he'll be always a guy that always stand out to me because he was, I'd see him walking into the clubhouse at 1230 with the bag of Subway and, and him and another guy would be getting work in. 
and practice started at three thirty. Mm. So his his routines, his 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 uh, it was very strong. He may not have even known it then, um, but you know, with the coach package and his staff, they do a really good job in the mental game. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I always tell my athletes, like, you got to be willing to do what other people aren't willing to do, even right. when you don't feel like it. And, yeah. and I think that's what separates you from average to elite. So I want to build on what Kyle asked earlier. And, you know, through your years of scouting, you mentioned the tools draw you in. Can you be real specific, you know, especially for our young athletes that are listening, from what you can observe from the mental game, you know, their behaviors and things like that, what are you specifically looking for because so many times athletes are so nervous when scouts are there and they're always wondering what they're thinking and when they're writing things down what is it you know demystify this a little bit for these guys like what are they looking for well i mean when we had those like one-on-one conversations or just watching them play you know i'm looking for i'm looking for competitiveness i'm looking for confidence um i'm looking for guys that you should be able to tell i remember an old scout told me years ago like if you're at a high school game and you see the, the visiting team bus pull in, you, you should be able to point out the guy you want to see mm. just by the way they walk. Just they, there's a different, and there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, um, it's never going to be the, the, the guy that's walking in like hunched over and like, you know, it's someone that kind of comes in they, they, they make themselves big. There's a presence to them. And it's hard to explain until you see like hundreds of games. You know, you start seeing it, um, and then you watch them. I mean, I, I know you tell all your athletes, like, you never know who's watching. And you see how they warm up. You see just how they're interacting with their teammates. Um, you, you, there's, there's so many things, how they react to adversity. You know, like, um, if it's a pitcher and someone hits a two-hopper to the shortstop and he clangs it, um, is he going to be like, oh, is that is the body language or is he going to, I've seen it to the point where I've seen a guy pretty much tell the guy off. Like, mm. And so pretty much that the scouting day was over for me. Wow. Um, it should be. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, Whoa, you know, it's, it's, it's 70 and sunny out, but I'm pulling my umbrella. Out. I got to go to the car and get my umbrella, you know, that type of thing. And you leave. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so the little things matter and they add up. They really do. So, I mean, that, that's really what I'm looking. I'm looking at, I'm looking at outliers. I'm looking at something that's different. And a lot of them have the same, they do a lot of the same things. They really do. Can you expound on that? Yeah. Like for example, um, you know, one of the questions I'll ask, simple question. Um, you know, if I'm interacting with the player, what do you love about baseball? I mean, nine times out of 10 of the really good ones will say, uh, I just love the competition. I, I love to compete. I love to, no, I hate to lose. They say that I hate to lose. They don't say I love to win. Everyone loves to win. They say they hate to lose. And I always thought that was uh, an interesting one um, when that comes up in conversation. Um, they all, like, just like you mentioned a second ago, they're always doing the little things when no one's watching. It's, it's incredible. Like they're, you know, hey, tell, you know, tell me your pregame routine. And they, and they have some, they have one. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys don't. I love the fact, sorry, Kyle, I know you want to jump in, but I love the fact that uh, you asked that question, like, why do you play? And I asked the same questions as part of helping clients understand their motivation and their reasons, because there's going to be tough days. 
and they need to know why they're doing this. And if they don't feel connected to that sense of purpose, they're going to crumble under pressure. And I also feel like the next question is always needs to be, what do you love about this game in terms of the sights, the sounds, the smells, you, you need to know those, those passionate feelings, those visceral feelings that you love about this game, because when you get older, you're going to forget those things because you're going to be worried about the paycheck or the scholarship or the playing time. Um, and you got to remember what you love about the game when you were a little kid. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's the hardest part in scouting is, is after a while, like you, I mentioned earlier, the Rolodex, right? When you have the Rolodex in your head, you start remembering, oh, that guy reminds me of uh, Dylan Bundy, or that guy reminds me of, you know, Francisco Lindor, or that guy reminds, you know, you see these guys when they're 17, 18 years old, and now they're superstars, Mike Trout. I remember, I remember specifically sitting with him and his family. Hmm. And, you know, he was very genuine. I mean, he could have been the biggest jerk, I'll say, on, on, on the podcast. He could have been the biggest jerk there is. I mean, the guy would look like he was a stud. I mean, he was just physically, he was like a, and, but the genuineness, he was very humble, but he was very confident. Mm. Um, Joe Panic was one guy that was almost a nervous, um, almost, I don't even know if it's such a thing. You, you guys, you guys would know better than me, but it was like a nervous confidence, like very respectful to a point where it was kind of like, I felt like I was the principal and, and he was in sixth grade. He was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it was like, it was. But, you know, he's been a major leaguer for, what, eight, ten years now. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not like the guy where you think is bravado or the guy from Cobra Kai or whatever, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, I, I, that's the part I, that I love and so excited to be back into is that part of it is the interaction, um, you know, with these players and, and really taking all the experiences from the past and just bringing it to light, Um with these new guys, this new realm. And there's a lot of differences that, that I've seen in today's player. Hmm. You, you've mentioned uh, tools, you know, and that, that's the first thing that kind of draws you in, you know, to a player. But there's a lot of, you know, guys out there that have, you know, tools and, and kind of those natural gifts, essentially. You know, you, you hear all the time about guys who really don't put in the effort, you know, maybe in practice and they can just go out there and perform. They're just on a different level than other guys who really have to work at it and have that routine that you kind of mentioned. So I, I guess from a scouting standpoint, how do you handle situations like that where you have an uber talented person who, you know, can be great and is great, but right. they don't necessarily have the drive. Like that's gotta be a really fine line in what you'll put up with and maybe going with someone else who might be a better leader and a better example. That's, I mean, that's, I would say that's the most frustrating thing from a scout's perspective. And I can only imagine from a coach's perspective, someone that's working with these athletes day and day, someone that's uber talented and they can just like, you know, fall out of bed and hit one 450 feet. Um, it's going to catch up to them. It's going to catch up to them. And, and, and if you can identify that as an evaluator, um, I think that gives you a distinct advantage, a competitive edge to the competition um, it's like the one guy, the football player from LSU, uh, he was throwing like 70 yards from his knees or something. Oh, Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uber talented, just skills coming out, you know, not necessarily skills, but just the, the tools coming out. Um, but you know, all of a sudden you have different coverages and there's different responsibilities as a leader. It's just, it's just always, I don't think there's ever been a player 
in any sport that's just gotten away in a long-term setting. They may get there, but from a, from a longevity standpoint, um, and you know, it has been a star. I just don't – if you guys can name one, I would love to talk about it, but i just never seen it. Um, so – but if you don't know that going into it, when you evaluate a player, it's easy to fall in love with that guy. Easy. Yeah, makes sense. So, Derek, I think another fascinating point uh, our listeners would like to know about is what's the process that you see, you know, maybe from your days as an agent and as a scout – um, when you when you first start to like become aware of a player, and all of a sudden scouts start showing up at the game, you know what's the next steps? Like, do scouts in the you know at the pro level start talking to these guys? Uh, do they talk to their coaches? What kind of questions are they asking of them about their families? I mean, how much goes into the point where you you identify a kid that's got that's a prospect to draft day? Right. Well, I mean, it is a longer process. I mean, basically what you're doing, the first, I, I, I tell every player, and is you, someone, they got to send you a questionnaire. They got to make, whether it's a, you know, a phone call first, and then, hey, we're going to send you a questionnaire. Major League Baseball has a, a, a portal called the Draft Prospect Link, where you can now, it's very seamless, where you can send out questionnaires. And if the organization has specific questions that they want to ask for their own questionnaires, maybe smaller, they would send that as well. Um, uh, you're contacting, like you said, coaches, you're, you're talking to, you know, a lot in baseball is, is the, you know, summer coaches, summer coaches, mm-hmm. it's almost like back when we were younger, um, can't speak for you, Kyle. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure your, uh, your era, but it was always the high school coach, right? The, yeah. You know, the college coach, or if there was a pro scout, they're going to talk. And we do, we still talk to that, but, uh, the summer coach has more information, um, I used to do like for college players, like things like I'll talk to the grounds crew people Wow! before a game when they're setting everything up because they're kind of like, they know what's going on. And, but, but they're kind of invisible in a way, like seem like no one really, they give, they'll give you good information. Um, if they have a play by play person, they're, they're good information. You want to, you want to be creative with it. Uh, but typically, you send a questionnaire, you talk to the coaches. My, obviously, mom and dad, you've got to have mom and dad involved, um, especially for a high school player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's fascinating that you talk to the grounds crew. And I always tell guys, you never know who's watching, right? So, you know, it could be the guy that cleans up the locker room. It could be the people that are cleaning up the stadium or, or the grounds crew. They, they watch your behavior, and if somebody asks them, they're going to be honest. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you, you – you know, just hey, if you're, especially if you're genuine with them, right? If you're just genuinely, hey, how you doing? Oh, what do you? Um, I'm a scout with blah blah blah. Hey, you know, who are you here to see? Oh, I'm here to see, you know, Joe Smith or whatever. And and just start at, and you just start you, you stop talking, and all of a sudden they start talking. Oh yeah, well I heard you know, <laughs> really, you know, and then you're you're not like writing notes while I'm saying it, but then you walk away and you're then you are writing notes, but yes, um, but yeah, it's it's there's um there's so many different. I I like to ask um if you can get the information, like someone, like a teammate, someone that they're has witnessed them, but doesn't really know them well. If you can kind of find out like, Hey, you played against this team in the summer. And then you look under the roster and, and, and try to find out like, what do you think of uh, so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes the teammates are your best uh, evaluators. Do you ever go talk to their teachers or professors? I have not a lot. Um, sometimes that information is hard to get who it is, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a principal, 
I've done that. Um, make sure they're not <laughs> getting in trouble. <laughs> spending too much time with the principal, you know? Right. Right. Um, Cause I mean, I imagine if you're thinking about this kid as a top 10 pick or something, you, you guys are going to invest a lot of money. You got to know what you're getting. Exactly. That's, that's, as a scout, that's how, you know, I mean, as this question has been posed to me before, how do you know it's been a good year after the draft? And it's like that you got all the information humanly possible, especially on those players that are, you know, nowadays seven figures or more. Mm. Um, it's a tough miss. See, tough. see that that's fascinating to me. You know, in my past life in, you know, radio and television and all that, you can it's important to throw out an opinion, okay? But, you know, people will remember that opinion and they will, you know, call you on it if you're wrong on a guy. They'll, you know, they'll never praise you if you're right on a guy, but they'll certainly point out if you're wrong on a guy. So, as a scout, there's got to be times where you go all in you know, and it is, I, I swear by this guy, I, I vetted him, I, I've done everything possible. He is going to be, you know, this. And like, what is that? Because there's consequences. I mean, that's your job. You have mm-hmm. to be right, you know. So I, what is there? Is there a nerve wracking, you know, process with that? Is there a, how do you go about that? You know, when you know it's your job to make sure that you're, you're right as much as possible. Yeah, it's such an ego-driven business, and opinions are so strong. And and you just—it's almost like uh, uh, I always wore batting gloves, right? But if I didn't wear batting gloves, I get blisters and calluses. You just almost—you gotta just—you gotta go either all in. I mean, the last thing you want is someone that's towing the line or or asking their um, you know boss, well, what do you think? Well, that's not why they hired you. They hired you yeah, to. Yeah. You know what I mean? For your opinion and, and to be strong with it. And so anyone that's young in the business, I was just, you know, you're going to be wrong more than you're right. So just uh, go all in, just, you know, all in or all out. Um, now there's going to be something that's it's funny too, when you, you mentioned that sometimes the guys that you don't have as much information and you're just like truly subjective on it and you're going with your gut. I mean, I, I can name guys, that were big league players that um, I didn't have a ton of information on. Um, but I did have a, I did have a process that I went through on each player. Now, the more you think that they're going to get or the higher round they're going to be, um, you're going to do more due diligence. Uh, but you should still have a process as an evaluator of, of how you're going about it. It's like the best – I always use the analogy, the best waiter or waitress is the one that has, like, the notepad – and they're writing down, hey, I want a cheeseburger with no onions and, and whatever, right? Then the one that doesn't, and then they wing it, and they come back, and you've got <laughs> onions and pickles or whatever you don't want, <laughs> right? Um, so you got to have the process. Some, this is going to be deeper on some guys. So one of my favorite movies is Moneyball. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, the scene in the, in the scout room or in the pre-draft room, and they're going around. So you've been around a long time now. How much of analytics versus the good old-fashioned opinion of the scout, you know, goes into decision-making whether a club is going to select a young person or not? It's, I love analytics. I mean, I think, that's, it's, um, I think the ones that come from a traditional background are always kind of like, no, I don't really, you know, I'm not into, it's just all, you know, what I see and what, it's a great tool because the way I look at it is, is, the analytics and you know, the objective and subjective should 
come together as one. Kind of nature and nurture. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I've always like often wondered, I don't know if that way some of the veteran scouts fought it instead of just trying to learn it. Um, it's uh, cause I kind of came in right. I was young enough and uh, I guess smart enough to be able to uh, understand it and utilize it to my advantage, the data. Um, so, uh, but it, it is, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely different. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things, especially now too, on some of, um, you know, a lot of the things that you talk about that, you know, on the, on the mental side is still considered subjective, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, you know, you can track a, a guy's uh, bat speed or bat exit velocity or pitcher's spin rate and rise and run and all these different things and, and improve upon them. Um, and you can see it, right? Whereas uh, the mental side, I think, gets a little bit on the back burner and I so and it's so important and I think the reason being is that we live in such a microwave society mm-hmm. that it takes time to to really evaluate what's in the brain and what's in the heart yeah it just takes time and I think we're used to just text messaging or going to Amazon and ordering something you get it in three hours and boom we have the answer and it's like it's it just takes time to really understand um uh, those aspects, but you're, you're dealing with human beings, not computers. Right. Exactly. Yeah, everybody's got different experiences. So what would you say to a young prospect, you know, that's listening right now, that's interested in playing college or professional baseball someday from the mental side, what kind of behaviors should they focus on the most or what kind of routines should they be focusing on the most to give them a better shot of, you know, enhancing their tools, their physical tools, so they have the best shot of, of getting a scholarship or getting drafted? Um, I have it on my whiteboard over here. You can't see it. <laughs> but um, be where your feet are, hmm. you know. Be present. Uh, yeah, being present. Um, I'm a big believer in goal setting. Um, I learned it when I was young, and, we, you know, I had a coach talk about putting on a three-by-five card and sticking it on your, on your mirror, like mm-hmm. some of your, you know, short-term, long-term goals, but not just having goals to have goals, but having what's your, what's your why, what's the, why do you want, want to have those goals? Um, so going a little bit deeper, um, I think uh, the one thing I would tell any young athlete, uh, all these guys, even like Manny Ramirez, who everyone thought was just kind of crazy, their routines and habits of what they do prior to performing it, it's, and you know, this, yeah. um, is unbelievable. I mean, there's a lot of preparation, a lot of preparation and they, and they do the same thing. They even get as crazy enough to, they're eating the same types of food at the same time. Right. You know, they gotta be in that routine. And then they also have, uh, I was talking to, a to a, a player like day game after a night game. So you mm. may not have as much time to get your full routine in. Um, they have a condensed version. Right. They have it. They're <laughs> so, pre-planned. I have my day, day, night routine. I have my full day routine. Right. So I just plug and play. And this is what I do to get into that locked in focus mode. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I think the biggest thing is that I think is, is your goals. I think you've got to have goals. I think you can't just like for a, uh, an athlete wanting to play in college, um, be intentional, be intentional on what you're trying to do. Um, and why you want to do it. And, and don't be afraid to put yourself out there and, and call a coach. I know it's uncomfortable. No one wants to call someone that doesn't really know who they are. Mm. 
I mean, it's the last thing anyone wants to do, but no one's doing it. So you're going to, you're going to be an outlier. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How much have you seen, you know, especially just, you know, kind of touching on the, the mental aspect um, of sport and, you know, specifically with baseball, social media has had a massive impact on, on athletes and, you know, it can start, uh, at 14 years of age, if they're a, a phenom and they're getting, you know, all this credit and they're a freshman on the varsity team or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and their, their expectations kind of, you know, come with that. And there is almost this added pressure even now at the college level to perform. And if you screw up, you make a mistake, you know, something happens, you can be the highlight, you know, on sports center. You can be the highlight that goes viral on Barstool Sports, you know, whatever it may be. Is that something that you have, have noticed, dealt with, um, and have just kind of monitored or, or discussed, I guess, o- over the last several years as it's become more prominent? Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, it's a great question. Kind of a, and in a nutshell, um, someone asked me a question kind of the same way, but what's the difference? How can you tap in and really get to, you know, connect with these younger players that are dealing with the social media and the expectations? I said, well, I think we treat players like a commodity rather than a human being. Mm. And what I mean by that is all the stuff you're saying, social media can make you the next Jerry Rice or the next Mike Trout or whatever, um, or it can make you the next, you know, Bill Buckner when he made the error, right? Um, I mean, they can kill and crush you. And then, the, you know, these other, these other platforms, right, you know, they have these rankings. Um, mm. Well, I, you know, if I want to get this kind of scholarship, or if I want to do I got to have a, a 92 mile per hour exit below off the bat. Well, or I got to do this. And it's like, well, why don't you just become the best player? I mean, um, so it's just trying to tap into these guys and not just treating them like a, like a commodity. Like you got to be this expectation to get here. Let's just try and like get to the core of these, of these athletes and find out who they are as people. And that, that, that part is just about gone. There's really no one really doing that anymore. Mm, that's sad. Yeah. Sad. Well, Derek, this has been awesome. Uh, amazing information for, you know, the rising champions that are listening to our show. And, you know, typically we have young champions on and we interview the kids and get their perspective. And we've had a run of uh, adults, so to speak, and coaches and getting that side of it too, uh, that can help these young champions. So this information is extremely valuable, uh, whether you're a baseball player or not. Uh, to understand what scouts and coaches are, are genuinely looking for when it comes to the physical and more importantly, the mental side of the game. So we really appreciate you taking the time out and uh, dropping this knowledge on us. No, I love every minute. I, I could go on another hour. I know you could. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, again, we, we appreciate you being on. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, dude. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.